Hey, loyal listeners and supporters of WTIP's Boundary Waters podcast. This is Tom Sega, the president and CEO of Duluth Pack, and we are excited to sponsor the Boundary Waters podcast. We are very proud that Duluth Pack is the oldest canvas and leather bag and pack manufacturer in the United States of America. For a continuous 137 years, we have been handcrafting canvas and leather packs, duffels, totes, shooting sports, outdoor gear, and canoe packs in Duluth, Minnesota. That is dating all the way back to 1882. We are so proud of our time-tested quality and materials that allow you, our loyal customers, to enjoy generational adventures in the outdoors with your Duluth Pack products. All Duluth Pack manufactured products come with a lifetime guarantee on all craftsmanship and hardware. Duluth Pack's rich American heritage and history originated in the Boundary Waters when our founder, Camille Poyer, discovered the need for a rugged pack. This is when he patented the official Tump line. Today, Duluth Pack offers over 350 different styles of products. Along with our manufactured gear, Duluth Pack's retail store in Canal Park region of Duluth holds the title of the largest cooperator of Boundary Waters permits in the world. You can shop at Duluth Pack's flagship retail store and our website at DuluthPack.com for all of your Boundary Waters needs. We thank you for your support, loyalty, and business to both Duluth Pack and WTIP's Boundary Waters podcast, Duluth Pack. Handcrafted since 1882. This is the WTIP Boundary Waters Podcast. This is the wilderness that Dave and I were both introduced to as kids. You know, our first wilderness camping experiences were in the Boundary Waters. And in summer, you wake up, you swim through the lake, you have breakfast, then you can relax, you can go paddling, you can go hiking. We've done this trip before to Horseshoe Lake, and I remember catching walleye there before. I went on a canoe trip in the Boundary Waters, and it's, it was really cool. It was my first time. The route from Ram Lake back to Poplar Lake with, with no packs, with, with only a day pack, uh, we take it in one day. Well, you can look to Venus, you can look to Mars. I will set my sights by the northern star and in the deep dark blue. Come the northern lights Oh, and in the deep dark blue Come the northern lights Welcome to episode 24 of the WTIP Boundary Waters Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Baxley. And I'm Joe Fredericks. Welcome to this month's episode. We've got a great lineup for you today. Uh, But before we dive into that, we have a little... uh, a few announcements slash housekeeping stuff we want to just keep you all in the loop on. Yeah, you know, uh, I got to tell you, Matthew, here before we get into even that, just hearing you say episode 24 of the podcast is kind of surreal and uh, even a little bit emotional. I mean, my gosh, here we are. Oh, you know, I didn't until you said it just now, it didn't occur to me that 12 months, 12 months, 24, that's two years. The end of season two. Wow. Yeah. How about I'm just that? kind of sitting with that right that's now. What I, that's what it hit me when you said it. That's why I had to bring this up. So uh, yeah. a lot of fun, and we're already looking ahead to season three. We're going to get to that. But uh, yeah, actually, that's kind of the housekeeping stuff is uh, we've got a few announcements 
particular to season three, episode 25, which will be January 2020. We are going to be up the Gunflint Trail doing something that we haven't done yet with the podcast. We are going to do a live episode. Yeah, live from the Gunflint Mail Run on the edge of the Boundary Waters, uh, Canoe Country. Uh, If you don't know what the Mail Run is, it's a sled dog race uh, that... uh, Covers quite a bit of terrain uh, on the edge and even in the Boundary Waters. Yeah, and it's at uh, Poplar Lake. That's been a popular spot for us to uh, start and trips. Just a lot of things happen in that mid-trail area on the podcast, and that's where this sled dog race is. It's an annual event, and so when we say live, uh, this podcast, the WTIP Boundary Waters podcast, is produced here at the community radio station in Grand Marais, Minnesota, is where we make this. And so... We have the capability to record and broadcast live, or our broadcast live, and we're going to do that with the episode. So every episode here, what you're hearing right now, for example, is recorded at WTIP, but Matthew and I are in a recording studio putting this together, and then you're listening to it on your phone or wherever you're listening to it. But this one's going to be a little bit different. It'll You can live stream it. It'll be actually on the radio, 90.7 FM, WTIP. Um, and then, of course, also we will take that sound and put it'll that get posted. Yeah, I'll get posted onto the you know the normal podcast platforms. And you know, if you are the type of person who likes to plan ahead, that will be Saturday, January eleventh in the morning, and uh, we'll you know uh, probably send out a few more details to our crew, uh, all of you who subscribe and uh, follow us on social media and Patreon. We'll be getting the exact time out to you. Yeah, it'll be sometime in the morning, maybe, you know, 9 o'clock, somewhere around in there. But we'll get you all the specifics. And uh, live, Matthew, you and I have done plenty of live radio together over the years now, but uh, never a podcast, so the pressure's on. We don't get the chance to uh, go back and clean up some of the uh, many blunders that we make every episode. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so That's right. we'll have to be on our A-game, or, or just uh, we'll do whatever happens, because it can be uh, one year, for example. In fact, when you episode two, you and I went to Winchell Lake, uh, that was the day of the mail run. We we happened to be up there the day of that race when it was 31 below. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're hoping our equipment can uh, hold up live for an hour. We've got our engineer, Jeff Nemitz, is going to be up there with us. So we'll hope to do it upright. Yeah, that's exciting. And and even further into season three, we already uh, have some great episodes that we're lining up and we're excited to bring to you. But back to today's episode. Uh, at the top of the hour, we're going to hear... Uh, our podcast co-host, Chelsea Lloyd. Chelsea Lloyd. Interviewing Jerry Vandiver. Uh, and uh, if you don't know much about him, you're going to learn a lot about him uh, in the interview today. He's a musician. He's uh, living in Nashville these days, but he is a huge fan of the Boundary Waters and paddling and the whole paddling scene. Uh, you and I actually had the chance to meet Jerry at Canucopia last year in Madison, Wisconsin. Last March, he was uh, performing there. He did a variety of things at Canucopia. I think he's... Uh, Often there, when his schedule allows, he likes to come up, and he he was also shopping. I saw him checking yeah. out canoes, so he goes uh, too because he's a big paddling enthusiast. So we'll hear all about it from Chelsea. Indeed, and uh, speaking of canoe copia, part two of today's episode, uh, Matthew Baxley, you got to talk with Darren Bush. He's the man in charge, for lack of a better title. I, I think his title is director or manager of Canoe Copia, but he's uh, one of the people, an event organizer, kind of the main guy involved with Canoe Copia. We've interviewed him before. 
here on the podcast, actually, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, one of the first few episodes. And uh, we'll be talking with him about what's lined up for 2020 in Canoe Copia. The podcast is planning to be back in Madison in March 2020. So you and uh, Darren talked a lot about, oh, different paddling things, but a lot about Canoe Copia, too. Yeah, my favorite part about chatting with him is his sentiment and uh, his passion for paddling and for canoe country, and you're going to hear all about it. All right. Well, uh, before we dive too far in, Matthew, it's uh, the December episode. You know, last year we talked a little bit about our holiday wish list. How how you feeling? You got everything you need? Because uh, last year you hooked me up with that fishing net that I was uh, looking for. So what's on your wish list? You know, that's a great question. Um I definitely have everything I need, uh, but I don't have everything I want. Ah. And, uh, you know, I think a new Sub-Zero sleeping bag is on the list. I definitely um, had some cold nights with you out there last year, uh, and so feeling the need to kind of uh, replace the old down-clumped, you know, haggard sleeping bag So uh, for this season because, you know, temperatures are starting to drop below the zeros. And, um, I don't know, beyond that, a big wish list would be a hot tent, but I'm not holding my breath for that. Yeah. What about something that maybe I could get you? Not that I can't get you a really nice sleeping bag, but, you know, like something equivalent of a fishing net, for example. Mm, uh, I do need a, uh, I do need a new headlamp. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, right on, man. Well, cool. We'll see how that uh, plays out. Maybe uh, up at the mail run, you'll have something new. What about you? I'm good, man. I got my fishing net and uh, all the winter gear I need. And And you just acquired the... Somebody gifted you a pair of backcountry skis. Didn't that just happen? uh, Actually, a podcast listener, if I... It it did. Uh, A very uh, supportive fan of the podcast uh, hooked me up with some skis, so... Maybe uh, something like that will come your way, too. Oh, I can only dream. (laughs) Hey, speaking of dreaming, uh, sometimes, you know, the music of Jerry Vandiver is just Mm. uh, enough to just put you in in that canoe, much like Ian Tamlin, you know, that his music can transport you to the boundary waters. And so uh, Chelsea did a great job chatting with him. Let's hear that discussion. Calling into WTIP today, all the way from Nashville, Tennessee, is singer-songwriter Jerry Vandiver. Jerry, welcome to the podcast. I'm glad to be here, Chelsea. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And uh, so, some of our listeners might know you from your wonderful paddle songs, or (laughs) (laughs) um, you've recorded so many songs by well-known country artists or you have written i should say and one, one of my favorites is um tim mcgraw's for a little while ah uh, yeah you have good taste <laughs> <laughs> well you write wonderful songs jerry <laughs> and and not only are you a great singer and songwriter you are an avid paddler um i am Yes. Yeah. So for, for those of you, uh, our listeners who aren't as familiar with you or your work, um, could you just ex- like describe your connection to our area and the Boundary Waters? Sure. Um, so it, um, it actually started about 25 years ago when a friend of mine uh, here in Nashville, a hiking friend, uh, said, hey, I want to take you on a two-week, two-week canoe trip 
up in the North Woods, and I said, I'm in. And, <laughs> you know, pretty much it was it was not even a, like, well, what does that mean? You know, I said, okay, let's do this. And so uh, um, we came up, and uh, actually we put in in Ely and went up into Quetico for most of that time and uh, paddled in the Boundary Waters. And at that time, I actually had brought with me a 90-pound aluminum canoe. No, oh my goodness. So, yeah, wow. yes. And even in spite, and I, I handmade some portage pads, and wow. even in spite of that, uh, I came back completely hooked, and uh, <laughs> um, and I have since got a little bit better equipment now, um, and, uh, and I've been going back every year since, actually. Oh, that's so wonderful, Jamie. Yeah, so that, that's, that's how I got connected up there. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, and I, over the years, have um, met so many great people like you and and uh, other people in both the Ely and Grand Marie area. I feel, kind of feel like it's my second home. Oh, man, I, I get that so much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so you come back every year. What What are some of the favorite trips you've been on? You know, um, gosh, you know, I think the the correct answer to that question is the favorite trip I've been on was the last trip I just went on. You really? know, it's like, well, you know, it's like it's, it, that's the one that, that that's the most prominent in your memory. I suppose, and, yeah. And such. But I do, I will say this. There was one time I took a solo trip out of Sawbill, and I mm. decided I wanted to um, uh, really take, there, There's for those of your listeners that are familiar with, uh, going up north uh, to what I call the Lujanita Portage, and there's there's a couple of points where the portages all convene in this one area, and they're really really long. And as a result, you don't see very many people. Mm-hmm. And so I went up on a solo trip out of there for a week, and for five days of that week, I did not see anybody. In fact, I remember pulling into one campsite, and I want to say it was on Dips Lake, and and this is in July, and I remember really being tired. It was really, really a rough trip, but it was yeah. really um, satisfying on that same level. Yeah. And I remember uh, sitting at the campfire, uh, grate there, just as I was, you know, resting. And I looked at the grate, and in July there was still greenery growing out of the fire grate, which mm. meant nobody had been there yet. Yeah. Even in yeah, even in the you know the peak of the traveling season for the Boundary Waters. So. That still stays with me as kind of one of my favorite times because oh. it was really I felt really deep in the wilderness and really connected to the wilderness and away from you know civilization and that's that's what I wanted to be and and that's what I got. Yeah, and yeah. so do you have a solo canoe that you own? I do. I actually yes, I actually have three solo canoes. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have five canoes and three kayaks, and I have three solo canoes. Um, my, my favorite one and, and by far the best one and, and everything else is my, I have a North Star Magic solo canoe that, that is just a delight to paddle and it, it weighs in at 22 and a half pounds, which of course is a far cry from that 90 pound aluminum <laughs> canoe I first went in. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those North Stars are great. I got to paddle they are. a solo North Star this summer. Yeah. Oh, lucky you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so your your tandems, what, what kind of canoes are those? Well, the tandems that I have, I have a um, Saurus River 17 that I bought, gosh, I bet 15 years ago. And then I have the, uh, 
for that, and that's a Kevlar canoe. Mm-hmm. And then I have a uh, a Mad River um, uh, uh, Explorer that's in ro- made in Royal X that I have used down here for the you know the Tennessee streams and stuff like that because it there's a lot of, it's it's a rocky kind of a you know mild whitewater area. Yeah. And, uh, so, but I, I but to, to, as we further this this podcast. I like to talk about my North Star Canoes mostly because um, North Star Canoes is now sponsoring my music. Oh, really? That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we have a great, we've been, uh, we've actually entered into an agreement three years ago and we've had really, really great cross promotion agreement. They, they gave me uh, my North Star Magic, which again, I really, it's, it's, it's a dream come true. And, um, and then they help, they help me in support of some of my, musical endeavors and in turn they give me uh some stuff um uh uh you know like to pass out to my audiences like you know camp coffee mugs and stuff like that and and um and then i you know promote them as much as i can oh. so it, it, it's a great relationship that does sound great and i'm sure one of the reasons why they wanted to support you is because you've written some wonderful paddling songs and uh, so I want to talk about those, Jerry. Sure. Oh, they, some of those songs are just <laughs> ones that I go back to over and over again. Aww, and, oh, gosh. So, so what's, have you written a song in the Boundary Waters before? Yes, I actually, before I, it's kind of funny how I stumbled into this little genre that nobody else really does. But, yeah. Um, yes, I have written some songs in the Boundary Waters before I even did this. And, and it, you know, as a, I mean, that my my profession is a songwriter here in Nashville, and what, as you know, and and but and and but you know, I don't always try to write a song, you know, hoping that Tim McGraw, or Reva McIntyre, or Blake Shelton will record or something. Although, obviously, that's what I would love to have done every time I write. But sometimes you just write it. You write a song because it, it speaks to you. And so there's been many times out in the wilderness that I have written a song paddling and stuff and or later coming out and then writing about it later which i might have you know maybe an idea came forth in fact that's kind of how it started i i was actually uh, on a solo trip several years ago and i was looking up at the um um at, at the stars and the milky way and everything and of course you know it's just beautiful and and i came up with this song idea called under the same sky mm-hmm. and um and i and i wrote it later and um, and through a series of just happenstance, I got in touch with some people at the Canadian Canoe Museum in Peterborough, Ontario. Oh yeah. And they were yeah, and they were at that time doing a they they'd already recorded one CD of various artists about canoeing, and um, and they asked me if I wanted to submit. Uh, a song or two for the next project, which was called Canoe Songs Volume 1, Canoe Songs Volume 2. So Volume 2. So I submitted Under the Same Sky, and lo and behold, it was recorded by a Canadian artist named Cindy Church, and I was thrilled with that. It was a really neat cut. And and when they decided to release the CD, they had a release concert at the museum in Peterborough and invited me to come up and play it. And so, so I, because Cindy couldn't make it, the, the original recording artist, uh, she was already busy on that date. So I went up and, and, um, and played it at the Canoe Museum and met a bunch of uh, other musicians up there that had so- similar songs. 
And I got to thinking, boy, this is really fun. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? yeah. you know, there is an audience for this. Obviously very small, but I don't care about the size of the audience. It's about connecting with the audience. And, totally. And um, that kind of triggered a few more songs. And then um, uh, I got this crazy idea. I, 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 a friend of mine, who Darren Bush, who runs Canucopia, which is a huge trade show in Madison, Wisconsin. WTIP uh, has been down there last year, I remember, and I think we're going down there again this year. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Cook, and I think uh, Cook County um, uh, Chamber of Commerce has also gone down there, tourism. Um, and anyway, so I convinced Darren to let me <laughs> bring in a couple of musicians, and instead of talking about canoeing and paddling, I did songs about it so yeah. um that's kind of and that was that was eight years ago that that's kind of what started it all ah that makes sense like yeah. okay wow so one of my song my favorite songs that you've written on the the paddling of your paddling songs is um i believe the title is in grand marais oh uh, yeah yes <laughs> <laughs> so so what inspired that song jerry you know it, it it was interesting. I, I was um, coming into Grand Marais, mm-hmm. and um, it was I think it was it was after the it was after the um, the unplugged event that you yes. guys have up there. You yeah. know that John Besner started and everything to help the North House, yeah. and it was right after that. And uh, and I was actually in Grand Marais, but I was heading to Thunder Bay uh, to do some songwriting with a, a, a native uh, uh, Ojibwe woman there named Cheyenne Havorka. And, um, but I was coming into Grand Marais, and I had just called my wife and said, I'm in Grand Marais, um, and, and she said, but you're heading to Thunder Bay, right? And I said, yes, but my heart's in Grand Marais. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and so I got to thinking about it, and, you know, and, the, and then right at that time, the tourism board there, or whatever the proper name is, they had come up with that um, saying about, uh, uh, what is it, uh, far north of ordinary? Yes. Or, oh, yeah. And I thought, oh, that's such a great line. So <laughs> I just, you know, I started thinking about all the, the, the special points uh, in Grand Marais that are just, you know, they're romantic and they're, they're, um, uh, they're, they're a place to, to, to connect with and, so I just, you know, I just kind of, in, and this melody came to me as I was driving out of town. And I pulled over and put it in my phone and, and uh, came home and finished it up. It was far north of... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, that, that's the ultimate compliment when somebody sings one of your songs. <laughs> and, uh, well, thank you. Thank you for writing them. Um, another one I really love, Jerry, is Birch, Cedar, and Spruce. Um, yes, the the it lyrics. Is, oh my goodness! The so. thank you for saying that. Uh, interesting, you bring that up because that's directly connected to the story of In Grand Marais. That's the song that I wrote when I drove up to Thunder Bay with Cheyenne. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So I wrote that with her, and so that's a, that's pretty fascinating that you connect the two. Um, so uh, that uh, there is actually in, on Cheyenne lives actually outside of Thunder Bay uh, near. Uh, Nipigon. Okay. And they, her and her husband live on this, I guess, I think it's about 40 acres. It's a nice large swath of property on a river. And I want to say, oh, it, 
I, I can't remember the name of the river. I want to say it's the Black Elk River, but I could be wrong about that. Um, but um, she took me on a, on a walk on a trail on her property to this place, um, and she's very spiritual in her, her native heritage. And there's, in this one area was um, this birch and cedar and spruce that um, all grew out of the same point. Uh. And it was, it was just fascinating. And, and we thought, well, isn't that, isn't that interesting that these three different species of trees depend on each other for support and, and you know, their roots are tangled together. And, and, um, uh, and so, so we wrote that song about it together that and, day. Oh, my gosh. And so I think my favorite lyric is, and they will bow to the winds of change, but yeah. they'll still remain together. Um, yeah, yep, yep. And that's what you know. That's what we do. Hopefully, as as <laughs> you know, if we're not divisive and we connect with our fellow human beings, and um, yeah. So I mean, I I really love the analogy of of those trees and what what how they connect and and depend on each other, and how that's so true in our own lives. Yes, and yeah. And here's an interesting subnote to all that, by the way. Yeah. So. Cheyenne made a video of the song at those trees. Oh, wow. And it's on YouTube. And what's really cool is the, the a, a mutual friend of ours, Brian Cerny, shot the video with his children who are hard of hearing, and they sign language the song oh. at the trees as well. So if you get a chance, put in go to YouTube and put in Birch Cedar Spruce, um, and you'll see... You'll not only hear the song of her singing it, her version of it, yeah. and um, and and the and right there with the three trees. Oh man, that yeah, I will yeah. definitely check that out. <laughs> yeah, um, and maybe your listeners will too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, oh my goodness, Jerry. So, let's see. I was wondering too. You also dedicated, I believe, a song to Dave and Amy Freeman during their year in the wilderness. Um, yes, actually, we wrote that with Dave and Amy. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you want to hear about that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so here was, here's what, what the plan was, is that I wanted to, uh, Dave and Amy, I, I knew Amy uh, from back when she used to work at Sawbill, and, um, and I had met Dave but didn't really know him that well. But a friend of mine, um, who is a very good friend of the Grand Marais Music Community and WTIP, Eric Frost, Frosty, mm. He and he and Dave are very close friends, and and I was really really, I wanted to become involved with what they were doing. I wanted to support them, some way, in a special way. And yeah. and um, so I, I I reached out to Eric and I said, hey, I'm scheduled to go in, um, to help on a resupply for Dave and Amy in June. And this was like, this was in March, mm. prior to that. And. And I said, I, and I had already mentioned this to Dave and Amy anyway, I said, I would really like to write a song about um, their, their quest, what message they're trying to deliver, mm-hmm. but I'd like to write it with them. Mm-hmm. And, what, wouldn't it, and so Eric and I, or Frosty, as everybody up there affectionately knows them, mm-hmm. um, we actually sat down on a Skype one day in, like, gosh, I think April or May, and um, kind of got the song started, you mm-hmm. know, um, uh, 
and and we had we had an idea that came from one of the hearings that was going on in Duluth with the Forest Service, mm. where a woman came up and said, "We must speak loudly for this quiet place." Yes, I thought, and and so Dave was at, got permission from that woman to use that in his signatures on his messages from their, you know, their time on their one year journey in the Boundary Waters, and so um, when we came in to write the song with them, we had kind of had that idea in mind. So they were actually camping on Snipe Lake, so we came in with their resupply, and um, Eric and I did, and my fiddle player and her boyfriend actually um, came in, and we sat down um, at the campsite the next day, and and it was a nice, the weather was really nice for uh, mid-June, and we Hmm. sat down and, and pretty much finished the song up. And then, then the next very next day, um, Amberly, my fiddle player, and I were scheduled to go on um, the uh, Roadhouse oh. with Annie Passos. Yeah, uh-huh. and and um, and so we played it that day. So the very next day, we actually made its world debut on WTIP. <laughs> That's it's really in amazing. the archives back there somewhere. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. So. So Snipe Lake, that's not too far from Tuscarora and Round. Exactly. We, that, well, that's where we put in was your your home ground, your stomping ground <laughs> there at Tuscarora. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, we put in. Actually, we put in at the um, uh, cross cross bay. Cross lake. Yeah. yeah. Cross bay entry point and paddled to Snipe Lake from there and then took out from there a couple of days later. Yeah. Cool. What was yeah, that? Yeah, but our, it was our quest to resupply them and write the song, and yeah, and, uh, we we were able to do both, and it was great. Oh man, and that the title of that track is "Quiet Place," I believe. This quiet place. This quiet place. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speak loudly for this quiet place. So, yep. w- Jerry, if folks want to check out more of your songs or more about you, where can they um, look? Well, there's there's two websites. Uh, the first one is pretty much just me as a songwriter website. It it you know it gives me a little bit of a bio um, and and the stuff that I've done here in Nashville on Music Row and stuff like that. And that's just my name, JerryVandiver.com. Like looks like JerryVandiver.com for your listeners. Um, and then uh, if, if they if they're more interested in the um, the paddling song, yeah. um, then they they can go to paddlesongs.com. It's pretty simple. Um, and, you know, so there's several videos up. And, um, in fact, North Star Canoes, they should also go to YouTube, too, and just as well uh, to and put my name in there because North Star Canoes, part of our, our um, uh, connection partnership there, is they've actually filmed two videos of two of my songs. One time we did one at the factory, and then we did one uh, up around uh, Princeton, Minnesota, um, uh, so there's two really cool videos up there as well to go with some songs. And then, um, so there's three places, YouTube, just put my name in. I'm all over the place there on that. And then, um, paddlesongs.com and jerryvandiver.com. Great. And do you have any new projects in the work? I do. Thank you for asking. I've actually just, uh, um, I've actually recording 10 songs and I've recorded five of those songs and already, and then. Uh, November the 4th, we're going back in the studio, uh, six more songs, and then, um, you know, we'll be, you know, manufacturing and doing the artwork and all that stuff. The uh, CD right now is called um, The Middle of Somewhere, as opposed to being the middle of nowhere. Uh, 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm so, so in fact, looking of course, I'll, 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 I'll recite the lyric to you. This is a world debut here. So the lyric of the of the first chorus is, um, "I'll take." Let's see. I gotta remember that. It's hard to sing <laughs> uh, instead of singing, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, oh, I'll take the dip of a paddle in a deep blue mountain lake, or look up at a million stars shining down from the Milky Way. That's my definition of luxury, you see, because the middle of nowhere is the middle of somewhere to me. Oh. Yeah, oh. so that's the song. So that's the title. That's the title track to the CD. So it's going to be really, it's going to be a really, really fun CD. I've got some really fun songs, and I've got one one song called "My Other Car Is a Canoe," <laughs> and another one uh, called "The Blue Bandana Blues." When your bandana gets torn to shreds out in the wilderness, <laughs> and um, stuff like that. So it's I, I'm it's I'm really really having a lot of fun making this new project. So, oh gosh! Um, and it'll be out in 2020, hopefully around January. Okay. Well, yeah. thank you so much for sharing the world debut of those lyrics. That yeah. was <laughs> yeah. What a gift! Fun. Oh. Anything for WTIP. I love WTIP. Oh. I'm so so tickled that you're doing this podcast. That's awesome. <laughs> well, thanks, Jerry, so much for being a part sure. of it. And uh, my pleasure. I guess can we wrap up by let me ask you sure. what's your uh, your next trip you have planned in the works. Well, um, actually, my very next trip is I'm hoping this Tuesday to do a day paddle down the Harpeth River here in Tennessee. <laughs> but uh, the bigger ones on the horizon, um, I mean, I've, I've got uh, several things to do as far as performing. We'll be playing at the Quiet Water Symposium, the Toronto Outdoors uh, Symposium in February, and the uh, Canucopia in March, and a few other things after that. But as far as the trips are concerned, I have several friends of mine that um, – that uh, don't live up in that area and and that have finally kind of said, you know, I think I need to go up to the Boundary Waters. And they're all what I, you know, what I would call what you would call rookies. Hmm. And so I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to come up in that area probably, I haven't decided the dates yet, but probably most of the month of July, maybe the first week or two of August, and just have these friends come up and take them in on different trips. And then when they're not here, I'll probably go and do a solo trip. So I think I'm going to be spending a lot of time in the North Woods and the Boundary Waters in the Grand Murray area this summer. I just don't have specific dates yet in mind. Oh, that's great to hear. What a yeah. what a gift for your friends to get to go on their first Boundary Waters trip with Jerry Vandiver. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope they feel that way after they come out seven or ten days later all in, you know, uh, needing a shave and, and uh, needing yeah, a shower as well. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jerry. Well, maybe our paths will cross on the trail this summer. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, we'll definitely keep in touch. And, and um, uh, I appreciate you letting me involved, be involved in your podcast. Oh, well, we're so thrilled that you were a part of it. And we will look forward to your new album coming out. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. Thanks so much, Chelsea. All right, take care, Terry. Okay, bye. Bye. Son, you've got too many bows. I've got too many irons and too many fires, too many projects. I won't deny it. But when it comes down to anything that folks, there's no such thing as too many bows. 
Hi, I'm Peta Barrett. I am the owner and founder of Women's Wilderness Discovery in Ely, Minnesota. I outfit and guide trips year-round in the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness. And in the summer months, when I'm taking out canoe groups, the only canoe that I have in my fleet is the North Star uh, North Wind 17s and 18s. They are my go-to. I stock no other brand. And there's a really good reason for that. Number one, they're beautiful boats, but they track well, they maneuver beautifully, and what I love the best is I always have the safety of my clients in mind. So if you are out, and inevitably at some point, you will get into some bad weather. And we get some pretty high winds. And that second part of the stability, uh, when you get into wind with a North Star canoe, they become even more stable. The design of it has a very rounded chine and it can take those wind and waves much easier. You can drop to your knees and paddle that canoe in a high wind and get you know, get to your campsite. So I have never been in a situation in wind and waves in the Boundary Waters where I felt my group was unsafe. And that's what, I mean, I take out a lot of novice paddlers. And so um, whether you're a very skilled canoeist or you're a newbie, this is the best canoe on the water and it's made right here in Minnesota and the customer service is second to none. I'm proud to support North Star Canoes and this podcast. Yeah, indeed. Thank you to North Star Canoes and Duluth Pack and uh, for their sponsorship of this episode. But Matthew, you should take an opportunity here as the last episode of, of the year here season two to thank all our sponsors so many people have uh, shared these messages that are you know we try to uh, the sponsors really want to make it unique because it's a podcast we have a little flexibility on the message that you know we hear voices from people who know about the product either they're an owner or even just uh, somebody who uses the gear Uh, but just thank you to everyone across the board who has helped make this podcast what it is yeah we really can't do it without our sponsors they and their commitment to their product is huge, but that's paired along with their commitment to supporting this podcast and their commitment to the Boundary Waters. I mean, there's, it, you know, it's not like we're advertising a home security system on this Boundary Waters podcast. This is all of our sponsors feel a deep personal connection to the, the, the topics that we cover every month. And that's, I mean, what an honor to be able to, you know, share that with them. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you again to everyone. And uh, you mentioned gear. Matthew, uh, one place that you can find a lot of gear, of course, is Canoe Copia in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. That's where you and I has just uh, just had met Jerry, uh, I think, for the first time for both of us last year in 2019. And uh, we're going to be headed back there in 2020. And you talked with Darren Bush. He's one of the main people in charge of Canoe Copia over in Madison uh, to learn about what's going on in 2020, but also a little bit of background. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Darren really communicates his passion for the paddling community in this interview. And and I really look forward to sharing that with all of you. One thing that was not nailed down uh, when we did this interview, as you'll hear, is uh, the speaker list and the presenter list. Um, So you can now find that if you go to Canoe Copia's website and find the list of speaker presenters, you can get the full list. But I just, I'm excited to say that there are uh, numerous names on that list that have been featured in conjunction with this podcast. We got uh, Bobby and Maura Marco, Bear Paulson, 
Cliff Jacobson, uh, and uh, Scott and Emily Burdett, who actually uh, you'll be hearing um, in uh, next season. You'll be hearing another episode featuring them just before Canucopia. Um, that's going to be in conjunction with the talk that they're giving. So it's really um, been a cool weaving of this podcast and Canucopia's um, presenters all together. And so it's going to be an amazing lineup this year. Yeah, it is. It's awesome to see all the names on there that have been on the podcast or that you and I have met these people through uh, the podcast. And on the exhibitor list, I see WTIP Boundary Waters podcast down there. We will be returning in 2020 (laughs) and... uh, we really hope to see many of you there. And if you're listening to this and you're planning on being at Canucopia, put in your mental to-do list to stop by our booth and share your hellos and your paddle country stories. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to get to the Canucopia website, uh, you can just type Canucopia 2020 into Google and that will easily direct you right where you need to be. Well, as we said, you got a chance to talk to Darren Bush about uh, the 2020 event. Let's jump into that discussion. It is my pleasure to welcome to the WTIP Boundary Waters podcast, Darren Bush, Rutabaga Paddle Sports, and the uh, renowned Canucopia Paddle Expo. How are you doing, Darren? I'm doing great. So, uh, you know, I was curious here, What? so before we get into what Canucopia is, for anybody who doesn't know, can you tell us your relationship with this uh, enormous project? Uh, it's an interesting question because um, <laughs> we we kind of all work as a team. So so Kinecopia is the world's largest paddle sports expo um, here in Madison in March, um, and it's put on by by Rutabaga Paddle Sports, and I'm I'm the owner and uh, of Rutabaga, and basically we as a as a very large team put on uh, put on Kinecopia, and um, it's really fun. You know, Joe and I were out at the expo last year, uh, 2019, and, you know, we saw you there. It was an amazing experience. We captured audio, we captured video, and one thing I really note that stuck out to me, one, all ages of people across demographics from different regions of the country, you know, people from Texas, Carolina, Chicago, Oregon, Washington, and it occurred to both Joe and I that There's a really beautiful crossover, at least for the people that listen to the Boundary Wars podcast and the types of people who are going to Canucopia. Uh, So it feels natural to have you back on to talk about that intersection. But more specifically, what is Canucopia? Here's a thing that a friend of mine told me once. So if you go up to Grand Portage, right, there's the big fort. And um, once a year... Everybody comes in with their stuff that they've been out trapping, and they get together and they do all the trading and and you know do all the business stuff. Um, but more importantly, um, I mean that has to happen. But it's also you know it's a rendezvous, right? Yes. Let's get together. So I'm sure there was you know trade, but it's also you know dancing and probably a little bit more than normal in terms of rum and whatever <laughs> whatever liquor the, the, the Voyagers liked and, you know, mm-hmm. they'd blow half their paycheck and play cards and dance and, and hang out with their community. Yes. And uh, so it's like a, a perfect intersection of, of business and, and connection with people. 
So for me, um, it's a it's an important part of my business. It certainly you know helps keep the lights on. Um, but more importantly, it's like a family reunion for me. Mm. Um, you know, I see vendors that I see two or three times a year, but they're all in one spot. And I see friends that uh, I don't see nearly often enough. And um, you know, there, there's just it's it's just, I get to walk around and high five and hug people mm. and. Um, it's 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 just a wonderful feeling, and you know, there, a guy walked up to me last year when he he came in the front door. I always start at the front door and I always open the doors and you know high five people when the show first opens. It's you know, mm. kind of the you know the kickoff. And um, one guy just like you know with a high five of me, he grabbed me and hugged me and said, "Thank you for doing this. I know how much work this is, and I know how much you love paddling, mm. and we appreciate it." I'm like, okay. So the weekend was just made worthwhile by one guy. Yes. You know, you, you know the, the image that I sort of get as you talk about that, Darren, is uh, it's a reunion for our, for our paddling family. It is, yes. And a lot of side meetings go on, which is really cool. So um, the ACA often has a little little meeting off to the side, and some of the online groups, like you know the Boundary Waters um, bulletin board people, Canoe Country Bulletin Board people will get together and and have a, a platy, as they call them, um, and uh, just they're they're meeting up too. So the, the clubs get together and you know they go out to dinner together, and it's just you know to be able to facilitate that is is a, is a huge honor. And you know, speaking for myself and uh, our little niche of the paddling community, we are also really grateful for that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I realize that there's a huge element of the expo that is this reunion, that is this rendezvous. So, so much of it is about the people, um, but they're coming for all. I mean, it seems like people come for all different reasons, right? Correct. And what are some of those reasons? Some of the main reasons that you've noticed draw people to the expo, in addition to the, the reunion element, what are some of the nuts and bolts of Canucopia that draw people back year after year? I believe that the most important part is the is the human connection. Mm. Um, I think people come back because they, I mean, this is, it sounds all kind of new agey, but I think it's true, is people really love each other. Mm. And they all have one thing in common, at least, um, and that's paddling. Um, I have customers that, you know, come to the store and, and Prius is covered with Save the Earth bumper stickers. <laughs> and I have customers that walk in with an NRA sticker on the back of their, their truck mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, with a Ruger stuffed in their belt. And I love them all, you know. Right. It's, it's, there's, there's no um, politics in terms of paddling. I mean, there's politics, obviously, in terms of mining and threats to the boundary waters and stuff like that. But there isn't anybody from, you know, the, the reddest red to the bluest blue who think that, you know, they can't agree that paddling is, is a wonderful thing. Otherwise, yes. they wouldn't be there. So they get to be around their tribe, you know, regardless of their, you know, of their of their their political leanings. Um, the speakers certainly bring in a lot of people. Um, we're in the process right now in November of vetting speakers because we get twice as many applications as we can possibly have. Mm-hmm. You know, we have 150 slots, and we need to fit. You know, uh, people in who you know, there's people that do more than one presentation, right? 
um, just because they're very popular. And if I didn't have Kevin Kellum on more than once, I would mm-hmm. be, you know, hanged in effigy. <laughs> so, right. um, so, but, but people want to share. And the amazing thing about it is, um, you know, we, we help take care of them. You know, there's a stipend and things like that. But I think that they don't really care about that. Yeah. They care about sharing their story. They care about where they came from. If we can help them with gas money and sometimes lodging and things, yeah, def- definitely we do that. But they're just like, hey, I went on this great trip to Manitoba. Could I do a slideshow on it? And sometimes you can get kind of a whiff or someone who's really good at paddling, but, you know, is kind of an introvert and isn't really good at public speaking. And they might do a presentation that isn't, you know, super professional. But you know what? No one cares. Yeah. Right. Because the passion's there. Yep. And uh, we only had like once or once every couple of years, someone says, you know, that was just a bad presentation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, well, okay. But we, you know, we try and vet people as best we can. I'll, we'll call and talk to them on the phone. If, if um, you know, just can you send me some pictures of your trip? You have it on the blog someplace. So, but the, that's, that's a big part of it is the educational component. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a rendezvous first, a school second, and, you know, the commerce stuff happens, you know, tangentially. Yeah, one of the things that sticks out to me that you mentioned was the, the power and the importance of the storytelling and the ability to tell your own story. And that can happen in a presentation, but so much of that is happening just naturally in the space. I and mean, I can't tell you how many folks came to the the podcast table with a story to tell. And oh, they, yeah. And they got to tell it. And some of those people ended up on the podcast to tell amazing stories. And you're right. You got to sort of vet some of those things. But one thing that was consistent is the passion behind every story. Correct. Yeah. I, I have a friend who was a, a guide in the Boundary Waters when he was in his late teens, early 20s. And that's that's quite a while ago. And um, he went on to, you know, get a Ph.D. and go into business and, you know, did really well for himself. And he's since retired. But he told me a great story once. He said uh, he was up in the Boundary Waters guiding and and he wrote a letter to, to Sig Olson and said, you know, I'd really like to meet you. You know, just come by and say hi. And he said, I thought I'd never hear anything from him. But I got this nice letter back saying, yeah, next time you're in the area, just let me know and you know, pop in and say howdy. And so mm-hmm. he did. And he walked up to the house, and there's all these people there. And there's a big commotion. And he kind of knocks on the door and says, um, see here? He's like, yeah, hold on. And he comes out and he's like, hi, I'm David. I'm the one that wrote you that letter. And he says, oh, cool. Well, let's, let's go out to the, to the shack. And, you know, they went out to the shack and drank some coffee that had been sitting on the, boiling on the stove for a year, right? And and, uh, just had a really nice chat. And after about 20 minutes, the door door, uh, gets knocked on and it's his wife. He's like, Siggy, you got to come back inside. It's like, okay. And he kind of looks at me and says, it's my 65th birthday. No. And it's just like, and I totally can see him because he was he was a very high functioning introvert, right? Yeah. I mean, he could he could speak and he could do things and he could you know all that, but he didn't want to be around people, right? That wasn't his thing. Mm-hmm. So so for him to take that time was just, was just a beautiful story. So yeah, there's thousands of stories like that out there. Yeah, and I'm I imagine you get to hear a lot of them, even though. Uh, 
you're pretty busy during this event, uh, making sure that things are happening the way they're supposed to happen. Do you get the chance to take a breath and enjoy it in the midst of all the speakers and the commerce and the stories? And Yes. Um, and here's why. Uh, I have the best team that you could ask for. Um, the people that, that work for us, um, that work here, my team members, are all just as passionate as I am about doing a good job. And they all just wanted to make it work. So we start the week after the last Kinecopia and have a meeting and sit down and go, what went well, what didn't. And every year that list gets shorter and shorter because these guys are so good. Mm. And um, we could make some tweaks here. Hey, a customer told me we should try this. And, you know, we're pretty much an open book when it comes to stuff like that. We want to make it you know, their event. It's not ours. It's, it's the consumers. It's the manufacturers, you know. So we try and make it as, as, you know, good as we can for them. And, you know, like about 10 years or 15 years ago, I can't remember, you know, one of the manufacturers mentioned, you know, it's so hard to get out of the booth uh, just to get lunch. It's so busy. And I said, well, we, we can fix that. So we started basically buying sandwiches and stuff for the vendors. Mm. And we just go around at noon and drop them off. And, you know, it's like, okay, there's an expense to it, but but so what, right? I get to buy mm-hmm. lunch for my vendors, you know, because yeah. <laughs> they're being really sweet and, you know, traveling to Kinecopia to, you know, to help obviously push their, you know, their wares, but also to, you know, show their brand to the paddling world. Right. And and they're they're hardworking, so let's let's give them a sandwich. I mean, I feed my staff. I might as well feed them, too. <laughs> right. You know? Because the last said, thing you want is a hangry vendor. <laughs> right. Well, the thing is, one of them said, this is the first time a retailer has ever done anything for me, let alone buy me lunch. Usually it's right. pretty one pretty one-sided. <laughs> and But to me, the relationships are more important than mm-hmm. you know, the expenses. And um, so we try and do things a little differently um, and focus more on you know, doing doing what is good, not what is profitable, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if you do what's good, you're going to end up, you know, being profitable. Mm-hmm. I like not that as, model. Well, not as much as some people. I mean, I'm never going to be junk bond get rich, you know, um, but that's not my goal in life. My goal right. is that my employees can buy houses and my, you know, and, and have good lives and have good health insurance and all that. So, that this gets into a more esoteric discussion. Indeed. Well, it seems yeah. seems like they've been popping up a lot in the podcast lately, so there's space yeah. for it. Cool. One thing that, you know, I mean, I can tell, One I appreciate about what you're saying is the element of this that is about the people and that's about the the community and the family and how we take care of each other. And I think that's there's a real element of that at the Expo around everybody taking care of each other and... um and even even amongst the vendors, you know, I and I, so I want to step back for a second before we, I get into that. And this whole idea of the vendors and the commerce side, mm-hmm. you know, if some what, what about that can somebody expect that's never been there before? What types of stuff are they going to see on sale or on swap? Uh, you know, but besides maybe a canoe or a kayak. Well, if you want to go to the Boundary Waters on a trip, you should be able to walk in the front door. You know, with your credit card and walk out the back door with everything you need to go. Mm. So, canoes, kayaks, uh, paddle gear, paddles, life jackets, spray skirts, 
um, clothing, paddle clothing. Portage packs. I mean, portage packs, like camping gear, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they have pretty much anything you need to do a trip, it's going to be there. And, yeah, it's on sale. There's, there's you know, some some good prices sometimes. But, you know, it's it's more of a thank you to the customer than a, you know, let's blow these out. We must be crazy, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, we just try. We just try and you know say th- again, say thank you to the customer for for shopping with us. You know, we appreciate that. So uh, yeah. the other cool thing is you're going to be talking to, in many cases, the owners of the company. So, or the founders of the company. You know, and it's it's fun to go into a booth and talk to someone about a boat, and they're like, "Yeah, I designed that." Mm. Like really? <laughs> <laughs> and, and you don't know that because you know until until you bring it up. No one's going to say anything, right. right? You know, and being able to talk to the guy that started the company is kind of cool. It's like, hey, so that's really cool. Why did you start this company? Um, that's really important, and it's really important to us as you know, as a, as a retail store. Uh, we just got back from a, my wife and I got back from a trade show, and the first thing we do when we sit down at the table with these people and look at their clothing and say, "So, worry, what's your story? Where are you from? Mm. You know, what's your deal? How come you're here?" And, you know, you hear everything from, you know, I was trying to go on a trip and I didn't have good gear. So I started, you know, making my own gear because there was a stuff that was good enough. Or, you know, the guy who started the company um, almost died on the trip because his gear was so bad. So he decided he was going to make <laughs> make better stuff. You know, or we're two sisters that started the company because we wanted to make better clothing for our husbands because they were working outside and Carhartt was uncomfortable and stuff like that. So you hear all the stories and it's like, well, of course I want to support them. Right. You know, I don't need to buy stuff from a mega conglomerate that, you know, owns some, you know, a gear company, but they also own, you know, chloroseptic and all these yeah. other stupid yeah. things in their portfolio. So we we try and support family as best we can. and. Pretty much all the all the vendors at Kinecopia, with a very few exceptions, are still being run uh, by the people that started it. Yeah, and that's a really special thing. And that again, I think everything you're saying seems to circle back to this idea that this is about relationship, and this is about community, and this is about this togetherness that is the fabric of the paddle community. Right. Um, and so that really, to me, relates to my experience of the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness. And, sure. you know, that, so that's, uh, it's an intersection there because those communities really overlap. So how do you feel like Canoe Copia relates to the Boundary Waters and, and that community or that experience for you? How do you see that? Well, we have, I don't know how many, probably 10 to 12 outfitters from the Boundary Waters that come down and talk about you know their services to our customers. So it's not just stuff that's for sale. It's also services um, provided by people that bring people the experience and the education they need to, to go to the Boundary Waters. So I mean, you can have the gear and go up and have a horrible time because you have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> We've right? all been there. Yep. Um, yep. Everybody has a first trip. Yep. Everybody has <laughs> a last trip. There's, sometimes they're the same one. You, 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 you hope they're not. Um, but yeah, so so having the, that ability um, to connect is is really important. You know, one one example is Dan Cook. I think people know who Dan Cook is. You know, Cook Custom Sewing. Yep. Um, Dan is a huge Boundary Waters fan. He does multiple trips every year, and again, started making gear because, frankly, he's a geek. He's an engineer, mm-hmm. and. 
said, I can make this stuff better. We love selling his stuff at the shop and love selling it at the show. Um, the, you know, there was another fairly famous portage pack company that basically shipped everything overseas. And, yeah, not so much interested in that stuff anymore. So the people there that are making packs, you know, I mean, Dan's making them in his garage shop. So you're talking to the guy that cut the thing out and sewed it together. It's pretty huge, mm-hmm. right? And some of the paddle makers, um, like, I mean, Sanborn Paddles is a great you know, example. They, it's two guys that started it in you know, their uncle's garage for beer money mm-hmm. and have this beautiful little company now. You know, and Benning Branch has started off making hockey sticks. Um, yeah, that's, where, right. that's where they came from. And then, you know, um, Dale Kicker made a paddle. I've got an original bound, uh, Bending Branches BB special hanging up in my shop. Oh, wow. That, that he built in his garage. And look what's come from that. Yeah. Uh, so, again, all, yeah, all these stories, but they're all connected to the boundary waters, right? Because everybody who sells stuff in the Midwest, in the upper Midwest, they're all totally connected. And that's that's their inspiration. Right. And some of them are even still getting out on trips together. Right. And that's that's another fun part is like I went on a trip uh, several years ago with um, uh, the guys from Winona. We just went up and, you know, went on a trip and some reps came and, you know, it was a real good experience. And, you know, experiencing outside of the business part of it, you know, instead of just talking about orders and accounting and shipping stuff and all, it's like we just go out and use the stuff that we love. And mm-hmm. it changes the relationship. And, you know, I keep saying the word relationship because it's, I mean, it's the only thing that's important in life, right, yeah. is relationships. Everything else is just there to facilitate it. Mm-hmm. Well, I completely agree with that. And, you know, it sort of begs the question, uh, Darren, where have your paddling adventures taken you in the year since we last spoke on the podcast? Um. Not enough places. <laughs> That's always um, the answer, right? <laughs> um, we've spent some time on the Kickapoo, and I've spent some time on the Wisconsin River. And, mm-hmm. and um, my daughter spent some time in the Boundary Water driving my truck and using my boat. So that nice. kind of counts. Yep. Um, and but we're going, next, we're going next year. Um, the most unique one is I, I paddled in Belgium. Oh. Um, I was on a trip, and there's a folding canoe company right in Ghent. And... Um, I, I, my, my daughter is, um, she's a school teacher out in New York City, and we go on a trip, an international trip every two years. And uh, this year, she said, I want to go to Belgium. I said, never been to Belgium. This sounds great. And there's a famous piece of art in Ghent, um, the Jan van Eyck altarpiece. Um, that's, you know, it's it's pretty important in the art world. I said, I want to go see that. And she's like, cool, we're going to Ghent. And we had great food and great chocolate and <laughs> enjoyed Ghent. But um, this company that I knew about is like, hey, we're, we're in Ghent. I said, can I, can I come paddle in your boats? They said, sure. So we had just gotten off the plane. I mean, we were like totally jet lagged. And we drove from <laughs> Amsterdam to Ghent for about an hour and a half, two hours. And we, we pull in their factory like, hi. I'm like, hi, we're dead. Um, but can we try one of your boats? They're like, sure. And they, <laughs> Got the boat and threw it the back of the rental vehicle when we drove down to the canal and put it together and paddled around a little bit and you know, it was really fun. And you know, again, connecting with someone uh who's just you know, into paddling. You yeah. Know, we, we, I mean they speak English better than I do because they're from, <laughs> from from the lowlands. But you know, there's no language barrier. But it's just 
it's just lovely. That sounds really special. And to take that experience to the other side of the world uh, and still have that connection, I imagine, yeah. is really nice. It is. And, you know, we're still Facebook friends and we still chat back and forth and, and that relationship's not going to go away. Yeah. Um, but I tell you, the next time I go there, I'm taking a, I'm taking a folding boat. Yeah. The amount of um, paddling is uh, stunning. I mean, there's, there's, of course, urban paddling, right? You can paddle in the canals. And it's really cool. They're really beautiful. These little cities are like little Venices, right? Oh, sure. But there's also canals between cities. So, you know, I can paddle from... You know, again, to Antwerp, from Antwerp to, to um, where's that city where they make the pottery? Delft. I'm paddled to Delft, and I can go from Delft to Amsterdam. So if I wanted wow. to do a week trip and stay in a hotel and eat really good food every night, that's totally doable. Uh, is that on your bucket list now? Oh, totally. All right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, the food, the food there is wonderful. The chocolate's wonderful. The people are lovely. They're just lovely, and um, which is true pretty much any place I've ever been. Well, I can't. I imagine, Darren, that you draw that those types of people to you. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me that you have those experiences. And I think you draw those. You and you, your whole crew draw those type of people to Canucopia, and that makes it powerful when you're just, you know, sort of leading by example in that way. Well, thanks. I do my best. <laughs> well, I, I believe that. And, you know, so I'm, I know we're still a little ways out from, I know you still have a lot of planning to do for Canucopia 2020 with speakers. Is there anything that you're, you already know is happening that you're excited about? Or are we, are we too early to tell yet? Well, um, we're 126 days away from Canucopia, right? Mm. Not that anybody's counting. <laughs> um the things that are going to happen for sure, the speakers are going to be amazing. We got a whole bunch of new people this year who have really good stories, and um, that'll be going uh, going onward. Like I said, we're vetting those now, and, and we'll make final decisions in December. Uh, we're working on the Kinecopia Show Guide, which is you know an 80-page publication we put together and send out to um, our mailing list. Um, if you're Viewers want to, or your viewers, listeners. <laughs> they should stare at the radio. I guess the viewers are. <laughs> if you're, uh, if, if you're listening to this, if you, if you, they want to get a copy of the show guide, they're welcome to you know, call the shop and say, "Put me on your mailing list, and we'll send one to them." Excellent. But it's not just. Uh, it's. I mean, it's the speakers and information about how tos and where tos, and then a bunch of people write stories to, about their paddling stories that go in there and. Mm. Uh, Bear Paulson from North Star wrote, wrote one for us this year that is um, one of the most beautiful things I've ever read. Not surprising. No, no, he's a he's a mensch. I really love that guy. So so um, we have we have this thing going together already. Um, staffing, we're working on staffing already. Um, we we have quite a few people that contact us and want to you know work the show, and um, it's really fun. It's fun to have them there too. So uh, I imagine the publication is great. Get on uh, that mailing list if you aren't, because that'll really kind of help, um, I think, build the anticipation, but also help with some of the gloom and doom that can come in this season. That That is, there's people say, how can you do it in March when the water's still frozen? I said, because the water's still frozen. <laughs> yes. Okay. Because there'll be a couple 40 degree, 45 degree days before the show happens and people are like, okay, I'm done. 
mm-hmm. right? Right. The, the, the ice is gray. You can't even go on it. It's cold. It's nasty. And it's like, well, let's go someplace where we can pretend like it's nice and then start looking forward to, you know, six weeks from now when, it, when it's beautiful and ready for paddling. And what are those dates, Darren? Uh, March 13 to 15. 2020. Yep. It will come so quickly now that we're getting into this time of year. And, you know, I just, I really want to thank you more than anything, Darren, well, one, for being on the podcast um, and for what you contribute to the community and and what you facilitate for us. I have to say that we, Joe and I made so many connections um, with amazing storytellers and stories that we've gotten to feature on the podcast that we never would have met if we weren't a part of that community and a part of that event. And I just, I hope that um, every year there's um, new people, new generations, new people to paddling that are able to find this accessible because of this event. And I think that sounds like that's the goal and that's what's happening, right? That is the goal. This thing, I want this thing to go on forever. Well, um, thanks so much for being on the podcast today, Darren. And if we don't talk to you before then, we will see you in March. Yep, looking forward to it. Thanks so much. Thank you. Well, that wraps up episode 24, two years in the making of this podcast, and uh, with, a, with a great look ahead, uh, thinking about Canoe Copia 2020, thinking about all the stories that we're going to get to hear and share. Uh, it's really an exciting place to be looking back at another year and looking forward uh, at a whole new horizon. Matthew Baxley will be live up the Gunflint Trail in January, episode 25, the start of season three. We've got all kinds of fun things planned. It's live. Anything could happen. And what you hear on the air is what you're going to get for That's episode right. 25. And, uh, of course, again, with the holidays and uh, we're here in December, just thank you to all our sponsors. It's the season of, of giving, and we're so thankful for um, just everybody who's been on the podcast, taking time to do these interviews, um, all the people who sent in audio uh, thinking back about Eric from uh, Nebraska, who sent in a very moving episode in the summer. And uh, just across the board, Matthew, uh, we owe so much uh, gratitude and thanks to so many different people. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, all of you listeners couldn't do it without you, and it is for you that we continue to do it. So keep sending us your emails, keep uh, putting your comments on your platform uh, that you take in the podcast, and. Uh, let us know what you think and what sort of adventures you're up to, especially uh, in this cold time of year. Be safe out on that ice and tell us about it. All right. Well, episode 25, the WTIP Boundary Waters podcast. Wait a second. Oh, somebody turned out the lights. Matthew Baxter, you need a new headlamp. I can't see a thing, Joe. I can't see a thing. I just sing when I paddle Feeling not thinking if the strokes are true We're gonna get through to the other side Out in the night the waves beat the shore You can hear them pounding, you can hear them roar Rule me, rock me in my dreams You can roll me, rock me in my dreams I like to sing, I love to dance I play the fool if I got the chance 
all around the campfire light. All around the campfire light. All around, all around, all around the campfire light.